she had not yet the power to make him a deserter. He then went out and remained some time alone. When he returned, his appearance was surprisingly changed. His face was of an ashy paleness, his eyes bright, febrile and eager, and his lip quivered as he said, Come, Mary, I can wait no longer. The boat is ready, the river is not so wild, and the rain is over. In vain she protested. He was firm and she had no option but either to go or to be left behind. The old ferryman accompanied them to the boat, saw them embark, gave the recruits some instruction how to manage the ropes, as it was still rather early in the tide. On returning into the house, he remarked facetiously to his wife, I can never see why young men should always be blamed, and all pity reserved for the damsels. At this moment, a rattling shower of rain and hail burst like a platoon of small shot on the window, and a flash of vivid lightning was followed by one of the most tremendous peals of thunder I have ever heard. Hark! cried the old woman, startling. Was not that a shriek? We listened, but the cry was not repeated. We rushed to the door, but no other sound was heard than the raging of the river and the roar of the sea waves breaking on the bar. Dick soon after came home, and the boat having swung back to her station, I embarked with him and reached the opposite inn, where I soon went to bed. Scarcely had I laid my head on the pillow, when a sudden, inexplicable terror fell upon me. I shook with unknown horror. I was, as it were, conscious that some invisible being was hovering beside me, and could hardly muster fortitude enough to refrain from rousing the house. At last I fell asleep. He was perturbed and unsound. Strange dreams and vague fears scared me awake, and in them were dreadful images of a soldier murdering a female, and open graves and gibbetons swinging in the wind. My remembrance has no parallel to such another night. In the morning the cloud on my spirit was gone, and I rose at my accustomed hour and cheerily resumed my journey. It was a bright morning. All things were glittering and fresh in the rising sun. The recruit and his damsel were entirely forgotten, and I thought no more of them. But when the night returned next year, I was seized with an unaccountable dejection. It weighed me down. I tried to shake it off, but was unable. The mind was diseased, and could no more by resolution shake off its discomfort than the body by activity can expel a fever. I retired to my bed, greatly depressed, but nevertheless I fell asleep. At midnight, however, I was summoned to awake by a hideous and undefinable terror. It was the same vague consciousness of some invisible visitor being near that I had once before experienced as I have described, and I again recollected Nocton and Mary Blake in the same instant. I saw, for I cannot now believe that it was less than apparitional, the unhappy pair reproaching one another. As I looked, questioning the integrity of my sight, the wretched bride turned round and looked at me. How shall I express my horror when, for the ruddy beauty which she once possessed, I beheld the charnel visage of a skull? I started up and cried aloud with such alarming vehemence that the whole inmates of the house, with lights in their hands, were instantly in the room. Shame would not let me tell what I had seen, and endeavouring to laugh, 
I accused the nightmare of the disturbance. This happened when I was at a watering place on the west coast. I was living in a boarding house with several strangers. Among them was a tall, pale German gentleman of a grave, impressive physiognomy. He was the most intelligent and shrewdest observer I have ever met with, and he had, to a singular degree, the gift of a discerning spirit. In the morning, when we rose from the breakfast table, he took me by the arm and led me out upon the lawn in front of the house, and when we were at some distance from the rest of the company, said, Excuse me, sir, for I must ask an impertinent question. Was it indeed the dream of the nightmare that alarmed you last night? I have no objection to answer you freely, but tell me first why you ask such a question. It is but reasonable. I had a friend who was a painter. None ever possessed an imagination which discerned better.